0: Have you ever been in fear? So much so that you trembled. Your body shook. It quaked. You were frightened. You didn't know what was happening. The fear of the unknown. We're experiencing that right now, aren't we? Now we're getting sick and tired of talking about COVID and I'm not going to talk about it. But we're fearful of it, aren't we? We were, especially two years ago, fear of the unknown. What could it really do to you and I? Will it be the destruction of this human race? Or we hear rumors of war with Russia, with China. China. Does that cause you to be fearful? To tremble? Do you fear when you hear the words cancer? Do you fear when the markets crash and your 401k goes to nothing? (laughs) There's many ways we fear things of this world. I'm gonna read our lesson for this morning that I'm gonna be preaching on. It comes from Isaiah 43, verses one through three again. Benjamin read it earlier, but I'm gonna reread this. So it helps plant this into our minds as we walk through this passage. But now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will a flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is powerful. It is meaningful to each of us. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our ears to the message that you would have for us. Help us to not focus upon the world around us that causes us to fear, but help us to focus upon your word that gives us comfort, that gives us grace, that gives us forgiveness when we've been so wrong. Help us to focus upon why you created us, Lord, and help us to know that love that you bestow upon us. Grace mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, just be with us this time. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the writer, Isaiah, is a prophet. He's prophesying to the people of Israel back in the day. And he says, but now... So what happened before that he says, but now, were the Israelites a a perfect people? Were they doing everything they were supposed to be doing? No. Are we today doing everything we're supposed to be doing without sin? No, we're not. But the prophet Isaiah is addressing the Israelites, saying, this is what the Lord says. And he says, your creator. He's addressing the Israelites as the Lord speaks to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, this message is from your creator. Now we can think of several passages of the creator. We can think of Genesis uh, 1. 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 6, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. In verse 9 of Genesis 1, let there be dry land appear, and let the earth sprout with vegetation. Verse 14, let there be light in the expanse of the heavens, and he created the sun and the stars, the sun for light during the day, the stars for us to follow by night. Verse 20, let, there, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures. Let there be birds of the air. Let, they, let them be fruitful and multiply. And it was. And it happened. There was nothing before. God just through His word, reveals the physical. Verse 24, "Let the earth bring forth living creatures, cattle, creeping things. We don't like creepy things. Um, beasts of the earth, sometimes those cause us fear, but He created them. And verse 26 says, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth. And he created male and female. And what did he say? It is good. God was pleased with what he had done, what he had created. It was good. And it was good. It was perfect. But there was a problem that happened. The human race tried to do things on their own, kind of like we do today. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that was forbidden. And therefore the sin began. And then the earth began to deteriorate. It was no longer perfect. And it continues to deteriorate even to this day. We can think of creation as God creates a child in the womb of a woman. God knew you before the creation of the world. He knew you and me even before we were thought of in our parents' eyes. He woven you together. He knit you together in his likeness and in his image. He made you special, very special. You are unique. You are special. And the next phrase, Isaiah says, And he who formed you, O Israel... Isaiah is telling the people of that time and to us that God, the Father, formed them. So we can think of Israel as being the time of the early Old Testament days. Israel, the people back then. But is he not also talking to you and I? Are we not also Israel? Are we not God's chosen people? He has called you by name. He has created you for a specific purpose. What is that specific purpose? Why did God create you? God is a relational God. He desires to have conversation with you. He wants to speak to your hearts and your minds. He wants to hear of your struggles in life, as well as the blessings that he bestows upon you. He wants us to be grateful for what he is doing in your lives. He created us to worship him, to be in fellowship with him. He wanted companionship in life. That's why he created you. But he also created you to be in fellowship with other people here on this earth. With fellow believers and non-believers. So that we may have that opportunity to share Christ with them. Share that joy, that excitement that is found in our hearts and our minds. And we find that in God's word. We need to share that with those around us. See, God created us in His own image, so as God is relational with us, He commands us to also be relational with one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to encourage one another, to be there for one another in our difficult times. Just as God is there for us, We are to be there for one another. I have called you by name, it says here. You are mine. He has specifically called you. He has called me. He calls you by name. He knows your name. And if you have accepted Christ in your heart, your name is printed in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God for that. It's nothing I've done. It's nothing you've done. But it's the work of Christ in and through us. Only God can do that work. It's not anything we've done or can do. And it goes on to say here, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. I think of my early years uh, as a child, we used to go to the lake and and we'd find a shallow spot, you know, a uh, shallow place for us to play in because mom was always scared we might drown, you know, so we gotta find a shallow spot so that we can walk out there and it won't be too deep for us and less likely to drown. Those waters aren't really fearful, right? No, you know, if it's come up to your ankle, you know, that's not very scary. If it comes up to your waist, oh, we're kind of getting there, yeah. gets over our head, we start to wonder, especially if you can't swim. So when God talks about passing through waters, what references come to mind? In my mind, I think of the Israelites in the Red Sea. How deep is the Red Sea? Is it this deep? Is it this deep? It's really deep, okay? And God leads his people out of Egypt. I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands of people and animals and carts and just everything. And he brings them to the edge of the Red Sea. And the Egyptian army are crouching upon them and... Where are they going to go? They're in fear, right? Moses! <laughs> what are we going to do now? They're going to kill us. But God holds the army back, okay? It's nothing the Israelites are doing to hold them back. God is holding them back, protecting them. And the Israelites like, We can't go anywhere. We go into the sea, we're going to drown. We go this way, we're going to be killed. We can't get around them. We're stuck. What are we going to do? Moses, as a great leader, tells the people to trust God. And God, in his wonderful, loving way, provides an out. A strong wind comes in and blows the water open. Hard for us to imagine that, isn't it? Wouldn't that have been amazing to be there to see God's miracles firsthand? That'd been amazing. Blows it open. They see a path wide open. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, in the mud. I' don't, I don't know about that, but he dries the ground, the soil as well so that they can cross on dry ground. And God allows them to pass every single Israelite, their animals, their food, their their carts, their children, everything is allowed to pass through this Red Sea on dry ground. The water doesn't touch them. And the God... Is amazing. He holds the Egyptian army back to the point that they can all cross without any obstructions, without any hindrance. But then once they're crossed, God allows the Egyptian army to head towards the Israelites. Head down into the sea, the the bottom on dry ground, just like the Israelites did. Fear comes back to the Israelites. They're coming. They're going to get us. And what does God do? He swamps them. He stops the wind from blowing the water out, and he swamps and kills the entire Egyptian army. The Israelites are safe. They're protected. They no longer have to fear because God has protected them. How much more in your life Is God protecting you? What difficulties in your life have you experienced? What valleys have you experienced? Or are you experiencing right now? Are you trusting God? Do you see His hand of protection upon you? Do you feel His presence? Are you in His Word, knowing and trusting His will for your life? Because He is. That's why it's so important to be in His Word on a regular basis, so that He can speak to us, so that He can love us and encourage us along the way. And that's why it's so important for each of us to gather together as fellow believers to share our difficulties in life so we can cry on one another's shoulders and we can comfort one another to help each other get through this life because it's far from perfect. I'm far from perfect and I need encouragement. And I know you do too. So let's comfort one another as we go through life. An amazing psalm that you all know, Psalm 23. And I'm just going to read it for you. Um, Sure enough, I try and do it from memory. I'll mess it up. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides. Quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Isn't that wonderful passage? It's very comforting. What a blessing that, that psalm is that, that David wrote for us. And that's how all of God's word is. Just read it. It's powerful. And it goes on to say here, when you walk through the fire, you you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. What comes to mind there? Daniel? Three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three brave individuals who love God. But there's a king at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar, says, there's this image, there's this graven image, a God that I require you to bow down and worship. He was forcing the people in that day to bow down to this image. There's three individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love those names, that would not refuse to bow down and worship anything but God the Father, God the Creator, God the Redeemer. So King Nebuchadnezzar says, all right, you guys. He orders his his, uh, guards to go get them and takes them and orders them to bow down. And they won't. They refuse. What would you do? Would you bow? Because your life is at stake at that point? I don't know. I can't answer that for myself. I can't answer that for you. And you probably can't answer that for yourself either until we're in that situation. But I would hope that I would not. I would be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'll just accept whatever happens. If I die, I will be with with the Lord. If I live, the Lord will be with me. Doesn't matter, right? So King Nebuchadnezzar says, "Since you are not willing," he orders his his uh, personnel to make the fire hot. Much hotter, much hotter than it ever has been before. And he tells them to throw these three men into the fire. And in the process, the guard are consumed by the fire just by throwing them in. And these three men, after a few minutes, the king looks and they're walking around inside this fire. But there's another one in there now, a fourth one. And the king goes, I thought we only threw three in there. How come there's four? And it looks like a son of some God. Isn't it amazing how God works? God, not a hair, not a piece of clothing was burned on these men. God spared them. These three men were faithful. Very faithful. Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isaiah is pointing us to, actually at that time, pointing to Christ coming. But we're in a place where we can look back because of God's Word and know who that Holy One of Israel is, as Christ, right? So we can know for sure what Christ did on the cross for us. He shed his blood, was killed, and he rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven today. He's living. He's alive. He's not dead. God's not dead. (laughs) Think of the movie, God's Not Dead. Um, But now we can look forward as... The future, we have God's word telling us what the future for us is. That's what? Christ's second coming, right? But we can also know with confidence that no matter what time in life we are at, we are with the Lord, right? He's with us every day, right now. He will be with us when we cross over from this life to the next life and for us as Christians we know where that is that it's heaven to be with God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit in John 14 John chapter 14 it says do not let your heart be troubled don't be troubled by the things of the world don't be distracted by things that make you afraid Don't be troubled by what's happening around you. It says, believe in God. Believe in God. Put your eyes on the cross and everything's going to be okay. It's not going to matter if we die because we will be with him forever. In my house are... Are many dwelling places. Yeah, dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way to cross over from this life to the next. Brothers and sisters, don't be troubled by the things of this world. Focus on God. Don't be fearful. Don't let the news create fear in you. Don't let COVID fear you. We have things to look forward to. Life eternal. Well, there's no more weeping, no more crying, no more pain. Praise God. Amen.